Welcome everyone to the Gov Navigator Show, a government-focused program that won't make you seasick. We're the Gov Navigators. I'm Robert Shea. And I'm Adam Hughes. We hope to enlighten and enliven your week with news and insightful, entertaining guests, all on the topic of government management. Enjoy today's episode of Gov Navigators, brought to you by the creative geniuses behind the award-winning podcast, FedHeads. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Gov Navigators. Adam, what uh, what in the news has piqued your interest last week? So I'm really still trying to unpack this completely, but uh, we talked a while back. I can't remember which episode it was about GSA and EPA put out notices to their employees that essentially said, don't use chat GPT and generative AI tools. And that was a couple of weeks ago. So basically, we would be violating that if we admitted that ChatGPT produced the script for today's podcast. Exactly. Yes. Well, we wouldn't because we're not government employees at GSA or EPA, but in the spirit of what they tried to put out. Yes, that's correct. And then following that, a few weeks later, the IT Modernization Centers for Excellence at GSA put out an AI guide for government. The title which is a living and evolving guide to the application of artificial intelligence for the u.s federal government how many words is that it's it's a lot it's a lot although their web page is pretty good for the report that they put out they've got it divided into chapters a lot of the content that they put in here is a very introductory this is our first stab about what these tools are and how they can be used within the government sphere but it also is sort of interesting that the gsa released from a few weeks ago was specifically to GSA employees and specifically about using GSA furnished equipment, meaning computers and phones. This is a government-wide guide that GSA has put out. So it's in some ways it seems a little contradictory, but I think this is a great start to have a government resource that employees and frankly government contractors can use to at least start understanding what the tools are and how they operate and how they function so that the conversation on this which is as we've talked about it's coming from capitol hill it's coming from the executive branch it's coming from private sector and there's no real framework or guardrails about how these tools can be used particularly when you're talking within the government context so i think this is a great start that gsa put out there to at least keep the conversation going yeah we should compare it to gao's ai guide that they put out recently. What I was focusing on was GSA recently announced five new technology modernization fund investments, National Transportation Safety Board, Bureau of Land Management, Veterans Affairs, uh, Department of Labor, and Environmental Protection Agency. They're trying to spend the money before Congress claws it Uh, all back. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth, I think. FY24 is looking a little skimpy for the TMF. The theory behind the TMF was that investments they made would be reimbursed from projects that they funded. I'm not sure anybody really believed that, but... If um, they did, then I want a little bit of what whatever they were using. Which may or may not be legal. Anyway, another evolution of the TMF, and it'll be interesting to see how those investments uh, pan out. Yeah, and, you know, Robert, this is reminding me, too, of something that we worked a lot on when I was running the federal CIO council, which was OMB and the White House and Congress often pushed agencies to try to be more efficient and drive cost savings through particularly things like information technology. 
And I think CIOs and those that work in IT in the federal government also wanted that. But there's no incentive for those organizations like there is in the private sector. If you save money in the private sector, you have those savings to then reinvest in other things. And that's not how it works in government. So we we tried many times in different legislative proposals to try to get it so that the savings that an agency or an account could generate by investing in more efficient IT infrastructure could be reinvested in new programs, projects, IT investments, et cetera. We were never able to do it when I was there. TMF was supposed to be at the beginning when when it was we were talking about creating it was supposed to be that thing where agencies could have those savings and utilize them but there was this thing added in where oh no they have to pay it back eventually notably two themes emerged from the investments one is customer experience and the other is security i'm not sure security produces savings customer experience may actually increase costs as it drives more and more citizens or customers to use those services. Both admirable goals, improving the customer experience and making sure that our applications are more secure, but I don't think those will produce the savings that the TMF was designed to survive on. Right, and that, and all the more reason why that's probably not the best metric to utilize to judge whether these programs are successful. Well, I think we're ready for our guests now. I am really delighted the guests who are going to talk to us today are here to share all they can about the Agile Government Center, which is a partnership between the National Academy of Public Administration and the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Joining us today are Joe Mitchell, Director of Strategic Initiatives and International Programs at the National Academy of Public Administration, and new senior advisor to Gov Navigators, but more importantly, senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, former controller at OMB, deputy director for management, led implementation of the Recovery Act during the Obama administration. Ed Robert, DeSef. it's only a 20-minute show, Robert. <laughs> well, I'm not sure we have time for all of Ed's titles. <laughs> I, I have to give Ed the proper due. Ed, Joe, welcome to the program. Great. Thank you, Robert. Happy to be here. Delighted to be here, Robert. Thank you. Agile government sounds like a thing we ought to do based on the principles of agile management. Can you talk to us about origin and aims of the Center for Agile Government? So, Robert, I I can start with that. So the Agile Government Center uh, was announced in November 2019, along with our grand challenges in public administration. So those were the the 12 grand challenges that we had spent about a year identifying. So like the biggest issues that we think government is facing from a public administration standpoint. And we said, in order to address these challenges, you're going to have to operate differently as a government. And so Agile was a methodology that could be used. And we established the center as a joint center with the IBM Center for the Business of Government. We have a network. Uh, It's a network that brings together public, private, nonprofit leaders. You and others have been involved with that. We're working to advance agile principles and practices and uh, under Ed's leadership have developed principles and cases and practices. And the network itself has been very helpful to us in terms of input on various research projects. So that was a little bit about the, the reason for it and the work over the past four years we can talk about in more detail. When we're talking about agile government, you know, Agile started in IT and particularly software development. 
you mean that, but much more also. It's a taking those principles and applying it to other areas of government management. Is that correct? Absolutely. Ed, do you want to talk about the integrated Agile framework that you developed? I do. I'm going to step back a little bit, though, Joe. When I started talking about Agile government, people kind of looked at me and said, isn't that an oxymoron? Isn't that like fighting Quakers <laughs> or something like that? I said, I said no, 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 no. No, it's not. Uh, what it is, is a mindset. Historically, we started all back with Woodrow Wilson and came on into POSCARB. Anybody can remember that one gets a prize. And management by objectives and so on. But what we didn't do is change the way we think about managing government. We are hidebound in rules and regulations and policies and so on. But what we found in Agile software development and moving into Agile program management is that we needed to think differently. We had to think about customers. We had to think about speed. We had to think about innovation and different ways of developing and implementing policies and regulations at all levels of government to increase trust in government by improving competency and respecting public values. That's the elevator speech. I'll do it again so you've got it. Develop and implement policies, regulations, and programs across all levels of government to increase trust by improving competence and respecting public values. We developed an integrated framework for action. And I'm going to ask you to use your wonderful imaginations because it has a series of elements, starting with leadership. We need leaders who can change their own mindset and who can articulate a mission and vision for their organization based on evidence and using metrics to determine whether or not they were successful. We need to involve customers and the public, customers to tell us how their experience and journey is currently in play and how it can be better. Public to inform us how government should better deliver services to all the people, but we need to do that using networks. Networks are essentially tools that will bring together groups of people with similar missions and visions to accomplish the metrics that we talked about using small teams, small interdisciplinary teams that are self-managed and rely on continuous innovation to think about new and better ways to accomplish the mission quickly using speed and persistent iteration. We need to continuously try something, and if it doesn't work, try something else, as Franklin Roosevelt has said. We believe that that will lead to an agile transformation and increased trust, trust being the reliability and responsiveness of government, increase that reliability and responsiveness, while at the same time respecting public values of things like ethical behavior, things like rapid iteration and rapid movement and inclusion along the way. That's what the integrated framework is all about. What we're doing now is we're trying to take these agile elements of the agile framework and we're trying to use an agile learning program. We're reaching out to partners. Joe will talk later about the Federal Executive Institute, but we're also talking to the Australian New Zealand School of Government. This is a global effort. We're talking to management concepts, the Freeman Trust, Arizona State University, and recently 
talking to Johns Hopkins and our friends at the Government Excellence Center. These are potential partners to disseminate the principles of agile government to leaders around the world. So as Ed said, it's, it really is a comprehensive framework and it's, it's a different way of operating. So I think from an agile learning standpoint, we're hoping to work with leaders and managers at all levels to try to help operationalize this because I think that's one of the big things. People say, okay, so this sounds great. What specifically can I do at my level, recognizing that you have a lot of constraints in government? What can I do to, to actually make my organization more agile? And part of it, I think, is understanding that as an agile organization, you're going to need to continue to learn and innovate to meet the needs of your stakeholders in real time. It's not just process, process's sake. It's really like you want to meet people's need in real time, and those needs are changing. So a lot of that is significant external engagement. That's some different roles and responsibilities of leaders and managers where leaders should make sure that people, uh, you decentralize authority as much as possible. And your role is kind of like a gardener, try to make sure that you weed out the roadblocks, if you will, to team success. And it's also a lot of uh, changing internal culture and management so that you're more resilient and you utilize cross-functional teams and networks as appropriate to get your work done. So it really is a different way of leading and managing. And so that's one of the things that, as Ed noted, we've been doing some programming through the Federal Executive Institute. We also have a partnership with the White House Leadership Development Program. Uh, they're alumni and current fellows where we're trying to make sure that we're imbuing these kind of practices. It really is a comprehensive transformation inside government. And there's a lot of good things that are happening. And a lot of people are doing ad Agile, even though they don't call it Agile, because again, so we started, they are a lot of times thinking of Agile as a software issue, but we're seeing Agile, even if you look at the way we responded to COVID with being able to go to remote work so quickly and develop vaccines and stuff like that. So there is a lot of Agile going on now, and we want to make sure that we capitalize on that and make sure that there's even more innovation to meet the needs of, of the public. Let me pull on that thread a little bit more. Y'all responded meatily, and you've got a great graphic to depict the framework, which we'll share with our listeners when we post this. Where do you see current organizations pulling these practices, or where is their promise? Where do you see people really picking up these principles and wanting to employ them where they're working? Let me answer your question historically, Robert. We all know that firefighting in the West, especially of wildfires, is a joint business. You can't do it by yourself. And about 10 years ago, the National Interagency Fire Center in Boise was created. Here was a clear mission, protect people and property from the threat of wildfire and quickly extinguish them when they happen. A network of eight or nine federal agencies formed a compact, a formal compact using existing federal law and regulation to create a way that each of those organizations can support each other. They move very quickly. I watched one day from the back porch of my house in Haley, Idaho, as 1,500 firefighters assembled to fight the Beaver Creek Fire. They did so in a way that was coordinated with the U.S. Air Force, coordinated with the local county sheriff, with the highway patrol, with the school district who provided space and helped provide meals for not just the firefighters, but those people who were displaced by the fire. This could only happen in an agile way. 
because it happened within 24 hours from the time that the fire was called. So anyone who has an organization that needs this kind of response quickly is a candidate for Agile. I used it in the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. John Koskinen used it a long time ago, although he didn't call it that in Y2K. So it's available as an operating principle, as a mindset to any organization. Now, not every organization will use it, but even within some organizations that seem to be impossible to become agile, there will be programs or there will be projects that are run on an agile basis. Dave Liebrich, the Fiscal Assistant Secretary of Treasury, used it to implement the Data Act, but he also used it to disperse funds under the the first pandemic legislation. And he did it quickly and he did it within the context of the legislative mandate. So Robert, it can be used lots of different places. Again, I think it's a way, it's a change in mindset and way of thinking about how to deliver government services and progress for people. One of the things I wrote down when I was listening to you both talk a little earlier was about, this seems particularly important in efforts to break down silos within government. Whether you're talking, I think your example on the firefighters at is federal, state, local, how do you coordinate across those silos? But I think it also comes up in instances where you're talking inside of agencies between components, but also across agencies. And how do you get better coordination in programs have similar objectives and outcomes that they're trying to achieve, but are funded separately, are run separately, have different staff? Are you seeing that in some of the work that is going on in this? Is that a key part to the way that these agile principles need to be implemented. Yeah, Joe did a report about two and a half years ago, and some of your recommendations that speak to what Adam was just talking about. Yeah, we d- we did a report on how to build an agile federal government. One of the things was we said that agile really should be the default mode of operating where possible. Be agile, and you really need to look at what are the barriers and which of those are really statutory. And and so as an, an administration, you can't change as opposed to things that are practices that you mm-hmm. that you can easily change in terms of how you operate, or maybe not easily change, but you could change in terms of how you operate. And then your other point in terms of the whole notion of how it can be applied, I completely agree it can be applied inside the federal government, but also writ large, the intergovernmental system. And I think as we all know that, you know, there's really no significant problem at this point that fits neatly within one government agency or one level of government. So I think that this is all the more important given that and kind of the rise of these wicked problems. The Academy does have a Center for Intergovernmental Partnerships that is also working on issues and kind of is able to bring some of the agile flavor to that. We recently had a session with Don Kettle, who has a new book out on bridge builders, and we see a lot of those networking strategies as being connected to agile. I think there's a lot of work being done uh, that's kind of all leading us to the same place, even though people might be using different uh, nomenclatures. Particularly for those grand challenges that you mentioned at the beginning, too. Yes. It would be essential for those that are that in some instances are bigger than just even the U.S. federal government, that that bringing these principles to those is going to help a lot. Yes. What's the role of Congress here? These agencies and programs are working under a statutory constraint and rapidly amending those laws is not, is by definition not agile. A lack of agility is built into our constitutional framework. 
talk about the role of Congress here in promoting agility in achieving agency or program missions? We think that Congress is actually a forerunner in some of these areas. I have seen a series of hearings that the oversight committees, especially in Congress, have held where they talk about the need for federal agencies to respond quickly and effectively to problems the public perceives and to try to assist customers in better implementing the statutes that are out there. I think Congress is really anxious to see government run better, government operate better. And we believe that, and and we've spent a little bit of time and we need to spend more time talking to them about how the administration and how the intent of Congress can best be undertaken and achieved. Congress is neutral as far as the mechanism, I think, for achieving the goals and ends that they've created. And again, I go back to the Data Act. Congress set out the Data Act and said, you will get this done by deadline X. And this is reforming the way various data practices were conducted. They didn't say use an agile methodology, but they said, get it done quickly. The best way to get it done quickly, according to the Treasury, was to use agile methodologies. So this is a tool that agencies can use to meet congressional mandates. And I think a better dialogue needs to be held with the Congress. And we're going to do that at some point. We're just not quite there yet. We've got just a couple of minutes left. Share a little bit about what's coming up for the Agile Government Center. What are you excited about for the rest of this year and going forward with the work that you all are doing? We continue to host uh, quarterly meetings of our Agile Government Network. So we hosted one in June, and that was around the bridge building strategies that I just referenced. So we're going to continue to host those. We're also really looking to to develop and and deliver, start really building out the Agile Learning modules. We talked about a little bit about the Federal Executive Institute, the White House Leadership Development Program, other partnerships. And we just really want to continue to promote our Agile tenants and practices. So it's wonderful to talk to you all and, and get this out there. I also want to highlight in two words what's really important going forward, and that's Robert Shea. Why Robert Shea? Robert (laughs) chairs the EOM panel, longtime EOM panel within the academy. And we met last week, last Friday, in fact, with EOM, talking about working together with them to bring Agile and the other work that they do together. We believe that our next joint meeting will be held um, in September. It will probably feature Jennifer Palka, who's just written a book called Decoding America. She's a Napa fellow. She had a code for America. But taking these opportunities to bring Agile into the mainstream of the academy and into the mainstream of the literature that's being written about government is really what we're trying to do. That mainstreaming agile so that Joe mentioned the words default response so that you have to explain why you didn't do something in a natural way rather than why you did do something in a natural way. We think that's the next step, making agile the preferred alternative for implementing programs, policies and regulations. I'm really looking forward to working with you on that. And congratulations for all that you've done to build this foundation. I can't wait to see 
how it gets traction and transforms the way agencies and programs operate. So thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for our guests for coming on the Gov Navigator Show. What's coming up this week for you, Robert? Well, I am, I know you'll be jealous, heading to sunny Orlando, Florida for the 2023 professional de- development training of the Association for Government Accountants. <laughs> you know, that is not their name anymore. They are just AGA, supporting government accountability. Nonetheless, it's a very important meeting of those in the government accountability profession to convene, to learn, and to network. I think it will probably be what I would guess is a huge increase in participation as people are really hungry to mm-hmm. get together for this kind of uh, yep. collaboration. And you've been many times. I've I've been a few times at least. I'm sadly missing this one. but. I know that you will represent Gov Navigators probably better than both of us there at the same time. I appreciate your saying that, but I think you're just trying to get out of going to the meeting. Hot in Orlando in July. I'm interested in hearing about, you know, the evolution of financial management, but you'll also see a focus on customer experience, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, technology and its impact on federal financial management, as well as performance management. So it really will cover the gambit, and we'll see if I get to go on a few roller coaster rides. I mean, that's really what I'm jealous about. I I do love Disney. Well, have a great time, Robert, and uh, we'll chat when you're back. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gov Navigator Show, brought to you by Gov Navigators. We sure hope you enjoyed it and learned something in the process. And didn't get seasick. Right, of course. If you want to know more about us and what we're up to, please follow us on social media or visit govnavigators.com. Ahoy! Oh, jeez. <laughs>